Welcome back to the Post-Sermon Reflections podcast. We are so grateful to have you here. I'm here with two brothers in Christ, um, both elders of our church, Mark with a C and Chris. Uh, I am so excited that they are here. They're both faithful men of Christ. Um, But we'd ask before we hop in to our time together, if you are not subscribed, we would just encourage you to subscribe so that you are able to see every new episode that we have. And if this is a blessing, we ask that you would share it. Thank you so much. We're excited to hop in. We're going to get started just with a quick sermon recap talking about the life of Nicodemus. So Chris, you're going to come right off the bat and you're going to tell us a little bit of what Pastor Brendan preached on in the text. All right. Excellent. Well, as you mentioned, this is the passage about the Pharisee Nicodemus approaching Jesus' night. And Pastor had mentioned he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler. So he was well-known, well-educated, well-respected in Israel. And he's humble enough to be fascinated by um, the signs that Jesus has been performing and, and wanting to know more and hear it directly from Jesus. So he he approaches Jesus, but he still does it by night, um, kind of a, probably protecting his own reg, uh, reputation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing who he is, Jesus' approach with him was just to be very direct. And yep. right out, he comes and says, you must be born again. Yeah. And Nicodemus is like, what? <laughs> what, what do you mean, sir? <laughs> like, How? And Jesus doubles down, and he says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Mm. And Nicodemus, you know, through the discussion, is just not getting it. And Jesus points out that, you know, with all his religious knowledge, you know, he's not understanding. And why? Because these are heavenly things. You know, and he, Jesus was like, you know, you're not even understanding the earthly things. How will you understand these heavenly things? Then Jesus alludes to himself, uh, the Son of Man, who yeah. has descended from heaven, yeah. talking heavenly things. A- and then Jesus gives uh, Nicodemus an illustration from the Old Testament that he'd be familiar with, uh, from Numbers 21, of yeah. Moses lifting up the serpent. A- and he concludes this passage, uh, verse 15, so John 3, 1 through 15, of the Son of Man will be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, there were many things kind of discussed in this sermon. Uh, we started with the discussion about Nazi Germany and um, the, oh, I'm going to blank on the names. What are the two names of the men? I could not pronounce them correctly. Adolf Eichmann was the uh, the, the man behind the desk. So yeah. He was like the behind the desk murderer. The man on trial, uh, yeah. The administrator of the, the Holocaust. And then the, the man who came in as a, a witness to testify was Yechiel Denur. Yes, Denior was the the word that stuck out to me. And so Pastor Brennan talked about in that beginning illustration that Dior was looking at Eichmann and he saw himself and the evil that he was capable of. And so that was kind of the hook that brought this whole picture together of saying, no matter who you are, whether you are a religious zealot or you are, he said a Samaritan slut, which was hilarious. I couldn't not say that on the podcast because I thought that was just such a clear language of like, regardless of like the world's disgraced by you or the world will consider you a good person to be a good example of, we all are even at the foot of the cross and we all are deeply sinful, deeply corrupt. Um, And so in light of that reality that we're deeply corrupt and we're deeply in need of Jesus, I would love to hear what are some of your guys' takeaways from this sermon? Start with you, Mark. Okay. Well, interestingly, in the text, if you look at the way John began it, he said, now there was a man of the Pharisees. 
if if he had said there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, would that have changed the meaning if he had not said there was a man of the Pharisees? So by beginning it, he is saying Nicodemus is just a man, regardless mm. of his reputation, mm. regardless of his societal reputation and his education and his prowess. He's just a man. Yeah. So the takeaway for me was we're approaching God as who we are, whether you're a man or a woman, regardless of your reputation, you're bare before God. And I, and I love how that set the tone for the rest of the conversation. Yeah. That here's a man talking to a rabbi mm -hmm. who is very interesting to him because no one can do what he's doing unless God were with him. So he at least made, Nicodemus made that connection. Yeah. But he made it as a man. And uh, that's something that I, I appreciate in myself because we are all before God coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds. When we come to church, there's people with different educations, different understandings, different levels of reading, all kinds of things, but we are all coming just as people. Mm. Mm. So that was a major takeaway for me. I think that kind of set the tone for the remainder of what Pastor Brennan was starting to construct with the rest of the sermon. Yeah. Why do you think it's important that someone would be reminded of their humanity in thinking about who God is and what Jesus has done for them? I think it kind of goes back to that there is something that is objective of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when we're starting from our humanity, we're, we're starting to realize when we enter into church or religion in that sense, we are looking for something outside of our own abilities and yeah. answers yeah so i think that kind of answers your question in one way that we're we're all approaching it knowing there's something objective something yeah. outside of ourselves which can be comforting if yeah we, if we further explore and further search yeah and nicodemus's humanity is what led him to think about jesus recognizing there are things that jesus is doing that me and my religious practices are not doing to the world that we're equally saying that we love and we care about um, there are miracles happening amongst the Jewish people, and they're seeing, wow, like Nicodemus, we can imagine, is looking, being like, I say that I love God, and I am not seeing the spiritual realities that Jesus is seeing. And so as a man, he comes asking hmm. real honest questions. Um, oh, that's so good. Uh, Chris, what was your takeaway? Sure. Um, well, I look forward to to next week where uh, we're going to be talking about the woman at the well. Yeah. And, and Pastor mentioned that Jesus' approach with her is different. It's a little gentle, gentler. He's kind of gradual in how he explains to her. But with Nicodemus, you know, he goes right at it. And Straight for the throat. Knowing that Nicodemus is familiar with Scripture, yeah, he uses Scripture. Yeah. Um, and and in doing that, he just you know shows us the beauty of how Scripture ties together the Word in the Old Testament all pointing to the word of God, which is Jesus. And uh, he, he learns to, uh, you must be born of the water and the spirit. And I, we understand there are a lot of different interpretations of what that might be. But Pastor brought up a passage in Ezekiel 36, which talks about both the water and the spirit. Yeah. And how a time will come where God washes us with the water mm. that cleanses us from our uncleanness. And that God will give us a new heart and he will give us a new spirit. Um, and, and it's just beautiful. And, and then in chapter 37 of Ezekiel, you know, which 
Nicodemus would be familiar with, the very next chapter of, of the Valley of Dry Bones, where completely dead. Yeah. Nothing that they could do on their own. They cannot move until God comes and he breathes life into these bones. And, and then flesh comes upon them mm. and, and they live and, and they're born again. Yeah. So just this passage of, you know, I guess what the takeaway for me again is just how dead we are and helpless we are. Um, the theological term some would use again is total, de- totally depraved. Yeah. And yet God comes and he breathes life into us mm. and he gives us new life. And it's that reminder of God's grace, um, which the passage says, you know, if, if we're, sometimes it causes sorrow in us, but a sorrow that leads us towards repentance. Mm. That is so good. Um, on a practical note, sometimes people sit in sermons and they're like, I have no idea how he would have known to go to Ezekiel mm-hmm. and see kind of the mirror imagery or even like the passage in Numbers if they've never read the Old Testament. They're like, what is this serpent? And they maybe a little look in their study Bible and like, oh, that's kind of cool. Sure. How do you help someone who is beginning to be a Bible student start to get a picture of the big story that God is weaving throughout all of the Bible? Sure. You know, it's that understanding that God doesn't change mm. and his method of salvation hasn't changed. It's not like, well, they were saved one way in the Old Testament and now they're saved differently. Mm-hmm. We see in the Old Testament that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Yeah. So he, what did he believe about God? He believed God's word. He believed what God had revealed about himself through that point of time. So in believing in God's word... We now know that Jesus is the word. Yeah. So in believing in God's word, they were actually believing in Jesus mm-hmm. and they were saved. Um, so the encouragement for those who are who start reading the Old Testament is read it through those eyes. Read yeah. it through the eyes of knowing that God isn't changed and, and throughout history, God has been pointing to his son. Yeah. And in all of creation, there are things that we can find and see about his majesty and his glory, but even how he's created relationships like marriage, mm-hmm. you know, between a man and a woman and the two becoming one flesh, that being a picture of the church, which becomes one flesh with Christ. Yeah. And thus we're one with him. Thus, when he died on the cross, we died with him. Yeah. And when he's raised to new life, we're raised to new life with him. Um, so it's just going through and as you're reading it, just looking for how this is telling us something new about God and what he's done and, and how it points to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And Bible reading can be intimidating. And so what I'm hearing from you is that we we want to have some questions that we kind of anchor ourselves. And one of that big is it's a God-centric question to say, when I'm reading my Bible, who is God? Who is he showing himself as? What's he doing? And then how do I live in light of the reality of what, what God's doing? And the other encouragement is both these men leave, lead fellowship at home groups in our church where they are storing through scripture. And so are you, if you are not a part of a fellowship at home group, this is my plug. You should get involved in one. Um, both these men lead great groups, one on Sunday nights, one on Thursday nights in uh, Bordentown and the other one in Hamilton Square. And I say that because there we have space to ask other believers what they've learned in their time. Because uh, no matter what, you have to put your time in. Got to read your Bible. Because uh, God meets us in the midst of his word as he has in this sermon series. So that's my plug. It's important to get around, be with other believers. And, and there's so, such a great time of fellowship, yeah. you know, hospitality, fellowship. We, we pray for each other mm. and uh, they, they are a blessing. Mm. So good. Ruth, so good. if I may. Yes. Uh, another practical thing you can do because Bible reading can be very intimidating for mm-hmm. newer 
people coming for a, a not yet believer as well as even a newer believer. Yeah. And even some of the older folks might even be intimidated by it. when you look at a Bible, you're thinking of a 10 inch yeah. dusty thing. <laughs> there are a lot of resources too that you yeah. can get that can narrow it down for a person. One of which is a walk through the Bible. Yeah. It connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And we actually did that in, in our home group. Awesome. And it does show you how the the narrative of redemption starts in Genesis and goes right on through. And Hebrew literature is like that. It's it thinks horizontally rather yeah. than we think in lists in yeah. the West. You know, A, B, C, D. They think linear. Mm -hmm. So that that just a, a quick like suggestion. Yeah, just a resource. To, yeah, yeah, there are resources that you can get. Walk through the Bible or even listen to things like, you know, get advice and find some. Uh, great uh, people on on radio that mm -hmm. actually have good programs, you know. But uh, it would be good to get get good advice on yes. that because there's a lot of not so good stuff out there yeah. too. But yeah, yeah. but those are some ideas. That's so good. Practical. Yeah, um, oh, that's good. I'm just encouraged. I'm thinking about reading the Bible with my pals and the just the sweetness, the sweetness of being able to study together and to see um, God meet us in the midst of His Word. Um, and we we are doing the read the Bible through a year. There there are some of us who are, yeah. who have been doing that. And yeah, you know where there is a place to to get down deep and taking notes and and studying single passages. There is something also to reading the whole Bible. Yes, and, and under you know you may not at the time get it all. Yes, but something like this from the Old Testament may come to mind, and, and then as you go back and read it again, you see how it does fit together. And yeah. getting that big picture is amazing. That's so good. I'm currently doing the Bible recap with five friends, which is the Bible chronologically with mm -hmm. like questions in a podcast. So there are so many resources out there. Um, and so whatever kind of learner you are, if you like audio, you can listen. If you are a reader, if you like to take notes, there's study guides. Um, obviously, we're talking about this a lot because it's of utmost importance. That's how we actually learn what is true about God. It's um, the way he clearly expresses himself to us is through his word. Um, and there is so much to rejoice in, in that. Um, I would be really curious to hear what are some of your guys' challenges from what you're learning in today's sermon? I'm going to start with Chris this time. Sure, sure. You know, it's just that reminder of God's grace that even, you know, believers um, who have been believed for a good amount of time, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an elder in the church now, I, was, I came to know Christ as my Savior uh, 24 years ago. Woo, woo, woo. And uh, I still need that daily reminder. I'm 24 years old. That's insane. That is great. You've been, you've known Jesus as long so as my, my lifetime. So my spiritual, yes. yes, my spiritual rebirth was oh, coincided with your. That's so good. Birth. When did you, uh, when did, do you know the date? Um, June 28th, 1990. Okay. I was born in April. I was hoping it was going to be super little, connected. So close. So close. So close. But, um, but even as a, as a believer, how we have to be reminded of God's grace and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, have been challenged by that, and uh, I use a, a, a an app. I'm I'm an engineer, so I like to big tech guy to list things uh, out. I use an app called Prayer Mate, uh, where you know that starts out just as if you had like a, a prayer cards and a Rolodex or something like that, uh, but you create a card and and you can have it show up each day. And I took passages from the Bible that all had simplified the gospel. Yeah, and every day is part of my prayer time. I I read. You know, a verse or two that just tells me the gospel again, yeah. um, because we we just have to be continually reminded of of what the gospel is. Because um, as we we're reminded of of His grace, 
it reminds us to walk in a way that we are thankful and appreciative rather than walking, uh, you know, with the Lord as a duty Mm -hmm. where we might be trying to earn his favor. Yeah. Um, And, and the life Christian life is so much more joyful when you're all all that we're doing and and we do get busy at times, Yeah. but it's out of thankfulness and appreciation, um, not out of, out of duty. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. I was, um, I always think about the Israelites being told to like write, like God's like to remember mm-hmm. what God is done. Like we're just forgetful people. We are like the Israelites forgot what God had done, bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. And in their forgetfulness, they went towards sin. They went towards complaining. They went towards complacency. And so, for you, a practice is saying, "Hey, part of one of my disciplines is being reminded of the good news mm-hmm. of every time I sit down to pray for all the needs, because there's probably many needs that exist sure. in your life and in the people you're shepherding. It's to be reminded that all of this flows." out of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. Amen. Oh, that is so good. Mark, what is one of your takeaways? Oh, not takeaway, challenge. Forgive me, everybody. Well, one of the challenges is that uh, we, and Pastor had mentioned this in the opening with the illustration of the, the war trial, mm-hmm. that we are really our own enemies. Yeah. And for me, on a personal level, it, knowing that you are your own enemy could be the challenge, but it could also lead to the encouragement. Yeah. Because now it's taking you out of you being your own resource and looking objectively. So, and I had mentioned before the, the quote, we, we have met the enemy and he is us. Well, yeah. that, that's a parody of a, of a more famous, we have met the enemy and they are ours. Mm-hmm. For you history buffs out there, I'll let you look yeah. into that. But no, no, give us the reference. We want to know. Well, Commodore Perry in the War of 1812 wrote to Commander William Henry Harrison and he said, we have met the enemy and they are ours. Mm-hmm. But then it was later parodied by a cartoonist who used the same verbiage but changed it a little bit to say, we have met the enemy and he is us. And uh, that's a kind of a how I, I saw the sermon this morning that that's me and that's the challenge, but it's also the encouragement as well. Yeah, it can also lead us toward looking for something outside of ourselves, and it it pours us into the scriptures, and we see others who are challenged in their own with their own sin and own struggle. And I had mentioned before, particularly the Psalms is a good place to look, and you yeah. can see. That you can find a great deal of comfort knowing that these people that we revere who wrote the Psalms were really no different than us. They yeah. were men like Nicodemus, a man asking mm-hmm. questions. So were these writers of the Psalms. As they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, they were pouring out their emotions in the Psalms. And uh, I find great comfort there. So kind of a two-edged sword. Challenge and encouragement are both in there. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Our, yeah, we can be... We can be tempted to think that we're not as bad as we are, uh, exactly. that we're we're just okay. Like Nicodemus would have been someone that you would have been stoked if your kids looked up to, mm-hmm. but they did. But he did not have his eyes open to the reality of who Jesus was. Uh, we often just want good enough, and good enough is not doing bad things we specifically disapprove of. But that doesn't mean there's actually new life there. That there's someone that's saying, "Man, I've actually put my whole trust in Jesus," mm. um, and we wouldn't have wanted. Our kids probably to hang out with the Samaritan woman. <laughs> sure. Probably would probably would have been like maybe maybe no on that one. Right. Um, but she was of just as little. She was in just as much spiritual poverty as Nicodemus was, mm-hmm. 
um, even though on the outside they look very different. Um, one thing we talked about previous to hopping on was the difference of religious actions mm. versus really abiding in Christ. And I want to push in on that because I think that is the thrust of this is that we get to live in light of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. But we can be tempted to fall back on our religious practices to say, man, I feel like I'm not close to God. I just got to do all the things that I used to do when I was close with him to make him happy with me again. We can fall into these like lies of duty. Um, And I would love to just push in and say, how do you guys combat those lies of duty and push yourself towards like a love born obedience to Jesus as you're pursuing him? Who's excited to take this one? Oh, Mark's got it. That's a very, that's a very philosophical thing for me, (laughs) but. (laughs) We want to hear it. Okay. Well, I think again, it, it, it has to do with when you become a believer, you're going to be more sen- sensitive to the enemy. The enemy is really going to, like you said, he's going. there's going to be lies. As many lies as he tells you, there is always the one promise, the promises of the hope in the finished work of Christ. So when you work in light of that promise and that hope that has already been accomplished for you, your your motive now is just even if you feel like you're being pretentious in an action that you're doing, you almost have to just do it anyway. You just kind of like, I'm going to serve, might not feel like it. If you wait till you feel like doing anything, you you do Ain't very little. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's okay to serve Christ, even if you're not up to it, mm-hmm. because most of the time you won't be. I think pastors struggle with it. I think missionaries, I think any, I think mothers and fathers, I think anybody that to even do a devotion with your family can be a challenge. And I remember doing devotions with the family early on the kids are all over the place. You're wondering if you're making any difference (laughs) here, but I think it's just in the consistency of knowing that your ministry is going to not look perfect. It's not going to be that that um, who's the artist that writes that drew all of the uh, Norman Rockwell? Everything is very. This is idealistic. Yeah, yeah. Your ministry is not going to look like a Norman Rockwell yeah. painting. It's going to be messy, and you're going to probably have regrets and failures. But you're doing it always in the motivation and in the hope that Christ gave you, mm-hmm. because He loves you. He didn't haul you. He He came to you first, and then you go into ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not. I need ministers. He yeah, need, yeah. he loves you. Yeah. He wants you. Yeah. To know him and then he yeah. duplicates himself through you. Yeah. Into the good works. Yeah. And again, I guess my my encouragement would be you don't always have to worry about it looking great and perfect and even like feeling like I did a great job today. Yeah. Because I think we all want that. We come off the pulpit and we want to get the, the handshake. Great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come back from the mission field. Hey man, you led a thousand people to the Lord. Yeah. People come off the mission field maybe feeling like they haven't done a thing, but yeah. it's it's knowing that they did it in the in the love that of Christ. Yeah, Jesus. We're, yeah, so good. we're not lining up for Jeremiah's ministry. No, right. No, <laughs> we're not lining up to to be faithful and to receive seeing none of the fruit to not see the promised land. Right, Moses. Moses exactly. Uh, he saw awesome things, but he didn't see what he wanted. Which was the promise land. And he wasn't even really looking for the job either. He was oh, absolutely. Moses he was, was pretty cool, pretty happy right. yeah. shepherding. Yeah. 
and there's something there's something beautiful about that of we have the long distance view that like my treasures in heaven and I'm going to pursue Christ and good works are going to flow out of my pursuit of him but my aim has to be to first pursue him it can't be to pursue good works right. it can't be to pursue his acceptance um, and that doesn't mean that my feelings are always in line with my pursuit of Jesus because oftentimes they're not right probably most of the but again, what encourages me is what Jesus once said to his disciples, or they actually said to him, where else are we going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Mm-hmm. Not, we're going to continue to follow. And so I think that's the encouragement, um, coming to church and just being consistent. And my, my children have seen that, and my my wife and I, our relationship, we just they see the good, the bad, and the ugly, but they saw yeah. the consistency of just going. We're going to church. It's important to us, even though I don't feel like going. I, yeah. It's cold out, it's raining. <laughs> excuse, 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 yeah. excuse. Yeah, whatever. Or I'm just not spiritual enough today. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's the consistency of going. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I w- it's just the experience of doing it, I think, more than just giving you a formula of how it's done. It's just, you do it. Yeah. That's so good. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, just as as God's grace applies to our salvation, it's God's grace that empowers the work that we do. Yeah, you know, we're, we're to be faithful. Uh, you know, we we're to know His Word, especially as servants in the church, to to walk according to His will and how we're supposed to love His people and care for His flock. Um, but as we do work, we can't be results based. Yeah, we we really need to trust. And walk in such a way that that we're faithful, and and trust His Spirit to work in the people of those that we're ministering to. Yeah. Um, and, and there's comfort in that, and there's a peace in that uh, that that we don't have to have all the pressure when giving the gospel to someone that they'll respond. Yeah. Because if the the wind isn't blowing, if the Spirit isn't working in them, I could recite to them John three word yeah. for word, and and they'll still be blind and they'll still be dead yeah but god would u- use us his word so so i'm just responsible for speaking his word uh accurately and then praying and, and trusting that his spirit would yeah. do that miraculous work where you're talking to someone it's like you need to re- remove the shoes yeah. from your feet because you're on holy ground yeah. as a spirit as you see their eyes like get it yeah and there's just that you know, and they start asking questions. I like that they're getting it. <laughs> they're getting it, and uh, and it's a it's a it's a joy when God gives you that privilege. You yeah. don't always get that, um, but when when He you does, you always get to see it. You're you're yeah. you're reminded that it's His work. Or sometimes you'll say something off the cuff. You wasn't then think it was a big deal, you know. And you made this. You thought you were all eloquent and said this big <laughs> truth. The big, you know, the your eloquent speech just went over their heads. They missed yeah. it totally. But the thing you said on the side as you're walking away, the spirit used that in them. Yeah. Yes. And you're like, yeah, it's all of God. <laughs> it's all of God. He right. he was the one talking to them, not me. Amen. Amen. So, so for you, it's this reliance of knowing that it's the spirit that does all the heavy lifting. Yes. We just get to partner yes. in what he's doing by saying, hey, you've actually, you've been using human beings mm-hmm. for your, we're plan A, very confusingly enough. Jesus has done everything. The Holy Spirit does all the work, but he wants to use us. Amen. He's sending us to the nations. He's sending us to our neighbors. He's sending us to our kids yeah. um, to be conduits of his grace and to proclaim his truth. Um, but it's him who does it. And so just a reminder, man, the spirits who changes hearts, the spirits who opens eyes, the spirits who um, makes dry bones, 
become armies with flesh. Yes. Ah, that is so good. That is so good. Well, brothers, it has been a joy. Um, I would love if we would pray for our friends um, as they are going throughout their week, and then we will close. Sound good? So, Chris, you are going to dial. Okay. And Mark, you're going to hang up. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Lord, Father, thank you for your word, uh, which which is good and it's true. Um, We now know that your word is your son, who we look to uh, by faith, um, who who was lifted up, Lord, and we look to him for eternal life. And I just pray that those listening, uh, that your spirit would work through their hearts and minds, that they might understand. Uh, Maybe there's someone listening who until now just didn't get it. Their eyes weren't opened yet. And by your miraculous power, even now as they're listening, their eyes are being opened. And this makes sense, Lord. And if that's the case, Lord, I just pray that they would um, just seek to know you more and trust that it's your goodness and it's by uh, your spirit working in them and and your water washing them clean and uh, you giving them a new heart that they might have eternal life uh, through your son, Jesus, and being joined to him, Lord. And uh, just to help us who, who do believe, Lord, to, to re- be reminded of that conf- uh, constantly, that we might walk in grace and truth and with a thankful and appreciative heart, uh, never trying to do things just out of, out of duty to, to please you, but uh, to please you that we're rejoicing and, and content in who you are and what you've done. Um, so we, we just need your spirit to work in us and to those listening. Help us this week to walk in such a way that uh, it's evident that it's because we understand how gracious you are. Lord, we are thankful to leave Sunday and go into the week changed people, Lord. And we're thankful that you you met with us today and you meet with us moment by moment and you will not abandon us on Monday morning, but you're with us through the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're with us all the time. We live and move and have our being in you. And for those who are still searching and looking, uh, we just pray that you would show them that they can come as men and women. And that's it. No titles, no struggles. Just come the way they are. Continue the search. Enlighten them. Illuminate them. Breathe the Spirit upon them, Lord, and make those dry bones rise, Lord. In your time, we trust and we care for maybe loved ones that aren't yet believers, Lord, and the not yet believer that comes through the door. They're welcome here. We love them, and we uh, are so thankful that the Word of God is preserved for us. These many centuries written by people who searched and struggled the same as we, whose uh, they knew they were their own enemies, Lord, but they saw outside of themselves as you revealed yourself to them. And we're just thankful, God, for the for the times we have here at Cross Point. May we uh, remain a beacon to the community and, again, to the searching souls. Lord, our doors are open. And we grant the remainder of the week to you and to your care. And I thank you for Chris and Ruth, Lord, and for the time we spent together just musing over the Word of God. And so always in Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Listeners, we deeply appreciate you listening. And we just ask that if you are not subscribed, please subscribe because then you'll get a notification of the next episode. And if this has been a blessing to you, please think of someone you can share it with to encourage them in the faith. Thank you so much for your time. We hope you have an awesome rest of your week.